Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot, No Questions Asked, Master in the Art of Intuitive Reading. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 224 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Before You Start Working with Tarot. And my special guest is Brittany Kennedy. Welcome, Brittany. Hello, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this topic. I think, you know, um, so many people, when they get started with tarot, whether they're starting for the first time to buy a deck or wanting to go pro, they're not always sure what to do to get started and to get started on the right foot. So I think we're going to be going through some of the basic steps which you said uh, you had some ideas on these different things that you wanted to share that could really help my audience. And one of the things that you had mentioned is selecting your deck is really important. So, you know, the first thing about selecting your deck before you get started, what is your best advice on that? So I know traditionally a lot of people have recommended just going for the ride or wait deck. And Maybe for the classic basic purposes, that is the ideal deck. But me personally, I started on Egyptian tarot, um, one that was very challenging in the essence that the symbolism, all that stuff wasn't, there was no book or is no book out there that really explains in detail the way that it does the rider weight. Um, and so while that may seem like a more challenging path, I honestly say, go with what speaks to your spirit. Don't necessarily just go with what everybody recommends or what somebody recommends to you because you may get there, look at that deck, and it just may not speak to your soul in that moment in time. And to me, I say, you don't choose the deck, the deck chooses you. So that's what I say is uh, probably the best way to go about choosing a deck, honestly. You know, also sometimes it's necessity because when I got my first deck, this was a long time ago, 40 years ago, I was in a bookstore. They didn't have many decks available. I mean, maybe they did, but at this bookstore, yeah. there was one deck yeah. and I took it home on a whim and the deck was the Marseille Tarot, which is also mm -hmm. a very hard deck to read with, especially mm -hmm. if you're a beginner. So here I am with this deck. None of the pips are illustrated. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I doing here? And you know what I feel when, sometimes when you have a deck that challenges you like that, it makes you hungrier for it. You've mm -hmm. got to work to figure it out. So you're not lazy. A thousand so, percent. Yeah. So my there's nothing deck, wrong with that. Absolutely. My deck really pushed me to even go as far as brainstorming an idea that I'm going to be pursuing to solve a problem that I ran into with this deck. But learning the symbolism was fascinating to me. I've always been very I always gravitated towards you know Egyptology um, and so the symbolism learning the hieroglyphs it really it got my whole blood boiling and excited and it just it became kind of I just delved really into it so I totally I like identify with exactly what you're saying when it comes to the challenging deck sometimes just really pull you in further and really kind of honestly challenge you to grow which is lovely I loved it I think it makes it so you don't become intuitively lazy. Ah, that, that was so perfect and spot on on all different kinds of ways. I agree 100%. It really, I, I couldn't say it better, honestly. You know, one of the things I've been sharing this last week on my Instagram lives is the Akamara Tarot. Mm 
Mm. And it's a very challenging deck because it's very simple. There's not much symbols there and you ha don't have a lot to go on. And I, one of my favorite practices is when you start getting stale with your tarot interpretations, grab a deck you're unfamiliar with. Mm. Grab one that doesn't have a whole lot of symbols. Now your intuition really has to work. Absolutely. I agree with that. And honestly, that... Um, I like to say that my Egyptian tarot was, we were in a monogamous relationship for the first like two years. She was very protective and was not about me going elsewhere. And I spent the first, I know a lot of people when they get into tarot, they just start buying decks and decks. And I wanted to master this deck and I still really haven't mastered it. And do you ever really master a deck, you know, but I really got familiar with it. And then finally the hoodoo tarot came out and that one was speaking to my spirit. Like every few months I could hear spirit like, Hey, that deck, that deck. And I was like, no, it's expensive. No, I don't want it yet. No, no, no. And finally I just decided, let me purchase this deck. And I did. And that's how I've evolved. I have three decks. I've been reading tarot for about two years now. Um, and every time each deck that I've gotten, the symbolism gets smaller more minimal and it challenges me and I have to really focus more on my intuition. So you're a hundred percent right there. I love what you said about how that deck was calling to you, that hoodoo deck. And oh I think God. that this is something for people to listen because you made a really good point. The Rider Waite Smith deck was actually, by the way, the second deck I got. And yeah. that one really spoke to me because it is really rich with symbols. However, like for yeah. And however, for a lot of people, it doesn't speak to them. They look at the art, they're like, oh, this is old fuddy-duddy stuff. It's not very diverse. And so your advice about really picking a deck that speaks to you, I think that that is going to help people maybe grasp it quicker, but also remain interested instead of looking at something that you don't want to look at. I, I agree 100%. You know, honestly, for me, um, me being a woman of color, being South African, I'm very tied and connected to my roots, to my ancestors. And so far, I've gotten decks that, to be honest, are Afrocentric. And mm -hmm. that's what really spoke to my soul. When I picked up the Hoodoo Tarot deck, the energy of this deck, I mean, the energy of, you feel the energy from the birthing of Hoodoo. You feel it. You sense it. It is strong. And so for individuals you know while it's a great deck and it's got some great symbolism maybe somebody who is not african-american or from you know the ds you know of african descent may not identify with it as much it may not speak to their spirit that way and so you really have to go with what speaks to you you know um and i'm i'm big on that i'm really yes and you know back in the day when i first started with tarot there really wasn't a lot of diversity actually there was no. none no. but now now you have decks to choose from. You have the Akamara Tarot. Mm -hmm. You have um, the Modern Witch Tarot. You have all these amazing decks that can, and of course my favorite is the Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot, which is a bunch of cats in Victorian clothes. But I mean, we I have all that. these different things that we can choose and we can find, you can find yourself in the deck, which yeah. back in the day you couldn't. One of the decks that came out recently that I really love is the Black Queer Tarot. Because I've had many clients over the years who are black and from the LGBTQ mm -hmm. plus community, yeah. and the right away Smith deck doesn't doesn't really speak. They can't find themselves in the deck, no, even no. though we can look at it from the energy perspective. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people want to see themselves, and that deck I think is really stunning. But also here it is now you have a deck, 
And this may be the one that speaks to you if you are coming from that demographic. So it's, it's a much better world out there now uh, for tarot decks. I love it. And I love that there's such a, that, that you have so much history and experience versus my two years to even be able to attest to what it was like walking into a store back then and even purchasing a deck. Um, I love that. I really do. Well, the internet has made things a lot nicer because now it's easier to learn tarot, but it's also, you can buy decks no matter where you are in the world, you can find your deck. Yeah, that's true. But you know, um, I almost consider you like just your story. It's almost like you're a purist. Like that's what I pull in. Not that you don't, you you know the decks, you've experienced and explored other ones, but it's almost kind of like photography. I studied photography in college and you've had your film photographers and we had a different mentality than those who were digital. It was just different. And so I feel that kind of energy from you that just that purity, that rawness of having to learn a deck without the internet. You know what I mean? Oh my God, it was so hard. It was so hard. And I was just 15 years old and diving into this deck. And I'm like, oh my God, this is blowing my mind. And it's been my passion ever since. Because you know, the thing is, when you get into tarot and when you're into it, I think you are really into it. And even if you don't have access to the internet, you're going to figure out a way to learn that tarot. 100%. 100%. But I mean, and I can never go back and not know, and know what it was like to be in that time frame. But I almost, I'm one of those kind of purest people where I almost want to feel that kind of experience, right? Without just learning. I mean, I'm the person that I've got books. You know, I love books. I see you've got books. I know you write books. And I love the authenticity of having a book in my hand. And yes. For the sake of space, people have been like, why don't you just get like one of those things? Because I'm always talking about how to expand my library and I need more shelving and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, don't want to get off topic. But I absolutely love that you were able to experience terror from that angle. It was very interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. So, okay, now, now the next step, you got your tarot deck. Yeah. So how do you cleanse and charge your deck? What... What is the, cause that's the next thing. This yeah. is what people need to think about before you get started with tarot. You don't just take it home and get it out of the box. You want to no. get that deck charged up. No. So what is your advice about cleansing that deck and prepping yeah. it? Um, so, and it's funny because I had a client who, I think the same week that we were talking about these points had come to me and said that she purchased a deck, she pulled it out, started using it, was asking me, what do these things mean? And I was like, wait a minute, this deck, you didn't even cleanse this deck. You didn't charge this deck. You didn't tailor it to your energy at all what have you like what have you done that's like so illegal but so what I like to do first is um I pull the deck out I like to feel the energy of the deck in its natural state before I mean obviously once I touch it it's changed but before I do anything to it in its most rawest form then I um take Florida water and I wipe it down each card you know not a full-on wipe on but just a little bit in the corner just you know don't want to mess the card up or anything And then I take Palo Santo and wave it around it a little bit. Um, I may, you know, pray over it, but pretty much from there, I just stick it in my window seal, charge it for 24 hours, and it's ready to go. That's my method. It's so simple, but so effective. And I know a lot of other readers do similar things to that. One of the things that I also like to do is spend a lot of time with that new deck before I let somebody else touch it. I never let anyone touch my deck. Oh, I'm super, 
Super. Oh, I want to I want to hear this real quick. So yeah. what, because some people believe you should let other people shuffle, and other mm -hmm. people believe no, nobody touches my no cards. One my decks. Um, and that is because of the transference of energy. I understand that they can calibrate the cards in that moment in time to them, and I can recalibrate them. I understand that. I just trust the divine enough to be able to give me all the resources I need to calibrate the deck to their energy without them touching it. But I would rather not have to cleanse my deck from energy. And so that is my reasoning for absolutely no touch. I mean, the only person who's ever touched my cards is my son. He, you know, he gets up here and even him with as much as I trust and know his energy, I'm like, no, what are you doing? But yeah, that's, that's my motto. That's, I just, I just don't want to have to cleanse the energy off. That's, Got it. That's the only reason for it for me. So you mentioned calibrating. So let's talk about calibrating your deck to you. How do you calibrate the deck to you? Let's say you got your new deck. You just cleanse it. How do you make that connection? You know, me personally, I think one of the things I think helps for me is uh, I've already made part of the connection before the deck got to me because I let the deck choose me versus going off of anything else. So it's already tailored to my energy because the universe has already said no this is the deck for you. You have to get this deck. So I feel like that's like almost 75% of the calibration for me. I don't do much else other than truly shuffle the cards. I put it in my space where I find that to be like my sacred area or whatnot. And that's really, truly, honestly it. I don't mm -hmm. do anything else. Um, I think once I touch it, once I build a relationship with it, um, that, that's, or that's the way I build a relationship with it. It's just through touch, actually. So that's how I calibrate mine. I think touch. Yep, touch. That's the same thing as I, uh, same thing I do. And I love to like just spend a lot of time, sometimes just mindlessly shuffling a new mm -hmm. deck while I'm watching TV, you know, just yeah. to get my energy all into them. Mm -hmm. That's a really simple way to make that connection. Super yeah. simple. It doesn't I have agree. to be complicated, people. It doesn't have to be complicated. It, doesn't. it mm -hmm. really doesn't. All right, so now let's say you've got your deck. You've cleansed it. You've calibrated it. You're ready for that deck to get to work for you. And now somebody wants a reading. So the first step, of course, we want to get ready for the reading. So before you start doing a tarot reading for somebody, what do you do? What's your next step? Um, I assure that I am grounded. Um, of course, I am a light worker, so I pretty much always try to make sure that I'm grounded. But um, just taking, even if it's like, not one of my days lately i've been doing meditation every morning so that kind of sets my day right and has me ready to go but say a client just hit me up and it's you know evening time and i'm you know there to do the reading um i'll spend the first couple of minutes before actually sh getting into the shuffling um just thanking divine for my gifts protecting the portal that i'm about to open before i open it um, warding off any kind of negative energy before it, you know, so that it doesn't come through the portal. Um, and that's pretty much what I do before I begin. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of time, you know, it's an under two minute kind of process. Um, I also, just for ambiance purposes, I think, uh, I love to have some, uh, some kind of incense going. That's just how my process is. Um, and that's pretty much it, you know? And then I just get into the reading. But I do check in with my energy first and make sure I'm grounded. If I'm mm -hmm. not grounded, uh, I'm sure, as you know, you're going you're gonna to mess some stuff up, you know. Um, so it's important to stay grounded, which is why I don't have to do so much before I do a reading. Because I'm already 
grounded. You're already there. You're in the moment. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about protecting your energy and protecting from negative things coming in. How important do you think that is to protect that, oh, to protect your so space? Important. So important. There's so many people that I've, you know, people just dive right into tarot. They start getting on YouTube. They start doing all this stuff. And I actually have a cousin who my, uh, reached, reached out to me. Um, she has a daughter who's getting into it. She's about 17 years old and she's been doing tarot. And I asked her, do you close the portal? Do you, you know, I asked her these, these things and she's like, no. And I'm like, Ooh, what have you been doing? And so it's, it, it's extremely vital. You know, whenever you're doing a reading, you're tapping into somebody's spiritual energetic field and whatever comes with them. And so making sure that you seal off prevents negative energies attaching themselves to you. And so that processes like it's super key people walk away from they're doing readings and they are drained they can't function they are tired physically um and they can get pretty jacked up and it, all those things can be prevented by just protecting your energetic space and not allowing things to come through like that i think this is a really important point because again when people first start getting involved with tarot they don't stop to think about it's an energy exchange mm. And oftentimes what I find for tarot readers, and I say this all the time, most of us were empaths and we have very weak boundaries and the weak boundaries makes, makes us good at our work, but it gets us into trouble. Absolutely. And so we do have to think about protecting yourself, getting grounded, making sure that you're not allowing yourself to get in, impacted by the reading. And also, you know, as well as I do that sometimes when people come in for a reading, they're coming with a lot of troubles. Uh -huh. that they're trying to solve. They're, sometimes people are really going through hard times. And if you are an empathic person, you might walk away from that reading feeling maybe sad, feeling the client's energy. And that's, that's not healthy for you. No, it's not. I mean, I've done readings where, you know, well, like you said, you're an empath, which helps you gr be great at your work. And I was doing the reading. And before doing the reading, I had it yawned. I was fine. As I'm doing the reading, I am yawning every two seconds where I'm actually having to apologize as I'm doing the reading like I'm so sorry and then I finally stopped and I was like wait a minute did you get good sleep last night and she was like no and I said do you get good sleep any night and she was like no I actually you know my sleep is very interrupted blah 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 and I was like okay so that's what's going on I was like you've got to get rest like this is so unhealthy I can't even function really doing your reading uh, I mean I could function I could do the reading but it was like Literally, every time I opened my mouth, I was opening it up to yawn, even if I was trying to talk. It was crazy. So it's it's important to do that, you know? Right. And, and I mean, that's... Go ahead. Sorry. No, sorry about that. A lot of people don't even understand energy when they get into tarot. You know, they do, it's a fad to some. They pick up some cards and they have no idea how energy works at all. And that is such a dangerous... I mean people uh, it's like picking up a Ouija board and just running with it you can't do that you know you're opening up a whole spirit world and you become vulnerable as well as the person on the other side you know the person you're doing the reading for absolutely right and you know one of the things I feel with tarot tarot is you know it's like learning a language and there's all the symbols but what really happens is your intuition it wakes it up it wakes it up and suddenly you are open. And if you're not comfortable being in that space, once again, 
you can get in a lot of trouble too. Mm-hmm. If you're comfortable with that space, well, you could also get in trouble. I, I always laugh how people want to get their third eye wide open. I'm like, listen, for somebody who's had her third eye open all her life, it's not the greatest place to be in. We want to make sure we shut that down so we can just be in our bodies. A hundred I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I've, it's like those memes that I see on uh, oh, Instagram, social media, talking about like, what people think a spiritual awakening is like and then what it's really like. And one looks all glamorous and the other one is like the person who's a train wreck, they're going through depression, all kinds of stuff. It's not what it's cracked up to be. You've got to be ready for that kind of stuff, you know? When I first started doing tarot, I remember having a conversation with somebody who's a reader. I did her reading. Um, I didn't know she was a reader when I got into it. It was my beginning stages of doing tarot. And... She said, you know, um, she was actually a medium. And so she was saying, you know, when you start doing this, you know, you might um, find yourself going into mediumship. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I just want to do tarot. I'm not trying to talk to the dead. Like, let's just keep it clear. But when I was doing a reading, sure as crap, here comes like that door. I could just feel it like opening. And I'm like, what is that? And mm-hmm. next thing I know, I realize I'm a full on medium. And I was like, okay wasn't a way now granted I know enough spiritually the universe has granted me wisdom before I got tarot to know what was happening but if you don't know and you're just playing with some decks you're going to find yourself sounding crazy by the end of the reading just because you don't know what's going on (laughs) and see again this is really important for people to know before before they get into tarot because you don't consider these things we Mm -hmm. don't think about things like protecting our energy or energy Mm -hmm. or the fact that you might be opening up your intuition and connecting to your ancestors are God knows what, you know? And the God knows what is a really big problem because some people can't, and that, I think that's the scary thing is that when you can't tell the difference because you don't have the background knowledge. Mm -hmm. I mean, the universe just did amazing things with me to give me so much foundation and knowledge that by the time I started and felt like a baby witch, I really kind of wasn't because I had, I mean, I think I really started my spiritual journey really when I was born. But when I really started to understand about a spirit realm outside of the physical realm, I was already like, I was like 13 years old. Mm -hmm. So I understood a lot of things about energy and entities that by the time I got to doing that reading where my third eye is really opening up and my intuition is kicking in high gear, I understood what was happening. But for somebody who has no clue and you start getting a voice from somebody's ancestor trying to pass on a message, you might start feeling really, really out of sorts. And I think it's a downward spiral from there, you know? So you have, I mean, I I just wish people really, really took the time to learn more about what to do, what are the steps and stop acting like these cards are just some playing cards because they're not, you know? Mm -hmm. Great advice. Okay. So now we've got the deck. We've protected our energy. And when you're first starting to work with tarot, what are some of your tips for decoding those messages in the cards? Because, you know, a lot of people, when they first start working with tarot, they're like, how am I ever going to remember these cards? What do I need to know? Right. So um, funny thing. Uh, One thing I would say is while you're getting yourself acclimated to your deck, while you're calibrating your deck, look at the symbolism. Take the time to look at the symbolism. Most decks come with a pamphlet that tells you every, what everything means and stuff like that, but it doesn't describe all the symbolisms oftentimes, you know? 
So getting familiar with the deck in and of itself, just maybe even jotting down notes on the things that you see, the things that spirit is guiding you to pay attention to. Oh, there's a bird here. Or, oh, there's an eye of Horus here above this hieroglyph or whatever it is. And do that with each card. I would say before you start to go ahead and, and apply the actual descriptions, because once you then go look at the descriptions of the card, it makes more sense. And you'll see the beauty of how your intuition actually works. And I think that is key because it's, I think once you know what the card means and then you start trying to tap into your intuition by just looking at the symbolism, you, you have pre-knowledge already. So it's already tainted. But I think this way you have a really good idea of this is how spirit speaks to me, especially if you don't know yet and you're new. That's what I would recommend, honestly. Um, that is great wisdom, actually. You know, I like to learn what the cards mean because we want to have a foundation. Yeah. Getting your first impression and getting that first impression down and then looking for validation really helps with the learning process. That's brilliant. I love it. I mean, I honestly, I intentionally, especially with my mediumship readings, I, I just want to know the name of who you want me to contact. Usually um, my gift as far as what it has evolved into right now isn't to where I can identify the name yet. And I like to go from there without asking any questions. That way, when I see how accurate it is, it's like I had nothing to go off of, you know? And so I think your intuition is the same thing when it, it comes to that. Just be real about it. And I, for the other part, I would say make flashcards. Um, that's something that I, I did. I actually did it late. I had my LLC up and running. I was giving readings and I couldn't tell you if I picked. I mean, I, I obviously got familiar with the cards. I would know, you know, what the death card meant and what the fool was and a lot of that stuff. But, you know, when it came to the minor arcana cards, oftentimes I was like, okay, six of sweets. I don't know, but I could tell you what the, I'm good at numerology, so I could tell you that kind of stuff. But it took me some time, but I finally, you know, got my flashcards and that's, I'm still memorizing them. I go through them every day and go through the sweets and, you know, some days I, I'm, I'm pretty good with memory. So that's actually not, it's not a hard thing, but that's what I recommend. Just sitting down and doing that. Um... And I think it's a great tool. And even then, mm -hmm. it's like if you have your cards right there and you're in the middle of a reading and you forget what the six of wands is, you can just flip really quickly and at least just be able to see the note. Um, and so that's that's what I've been doing as a new tarot reader. Well, you know, that's interesting because one of the things I always advise to people who are new is take your deck and write the meanings on the deck. Because you can get another deck. You can get another copy of it. That's They're mass-produced. I mean, don't do it, of course, with one of those rare indie decks. Yeah, but yeah, if you have like yeah. a Ryder Waite Smith or a Marseille yeah. or whatever, they're mass-produced. Take a black magic marker, write true, the yeah. interpretations on it, and there you have it. So if you get right. stuck when you're first beginning, it's a jumping-off point. I actually love that. I, I do love that idea because um, I'm doing it more of a harder way, obviously, um, by... Uh, doing it with the flashcards, but then it's like I, I'm doing like I, I did an art history class. I would have to memorize, you know, what Van Gogh painting this was, and I would go and I would print that image out and stick it on one side of the yep. flashcards and put my description on the back. And so I've kind of got that kind of system going on right now, and a bit archaic, um, but it does work. But yours is actually uh, it's, uh, uh, much easier, much easier. <laughs> yeah, just don't do it on, like I said, like a really 
uh, rare indie deck. I would never do it with my Baroque yeah. Bohemian Cats tarot because that would be a big waste. But like for just a Rider Waite Smith or whatever, you know, whatever standard deck until mm -hmm. you get accustomed to the deck. Yeah. Have at it. Let your Black Magic marker um, give you the keywords so that you can not that's have brilliant. to stop and look at the book. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. That's actually, that's brilliant. And you get the imagery right then and there, you know? Yes. And then not only that, but you get the energy of the card right then and there too. That's when you create flashcards, you don't have the energy of the card right there. Right. You know, it's different. So that's actually really smart. But both methods can work. Yeah. You know, both methods can work. So I think people have to figure out what works for them. Some mm -hmm. people don't want to draw on their cards either. Uh, sometimes when I've suggested that, people look horrified. And I'm like, I know it's a little radical, but you can buy a new deck, you know. So, uh, but either way, whatever people feel is working for them. And I would say, if I'm using a very rare deck, I would certainly not write all over the deck. Yeah, yeah. So let's say now we've already talked about choosing your deck, um, cleansing it, prepping it, doing a reading, decoding these messages. So now let's talk about what do you need to do after you've done a reading? Is there anything that you should be doing to protect your energy, to let the reading go? How do you close a reading? Absolutely. So um, once I get done with the reading, I have a chant that I say, and the chant is, this is a, pearl secret of mine but I say um I call back all my I will I release uh let's see I release all energy that does not belong to me and I call back all of my energy so I release all, every whatever energy I tapped into is now gone and I call mine back and then um if at some point during the reading I felt like the person's energy was heavy or they had an entity attached to them or something like that of course I will palo santo myself um, the cards automatically get cleansed. I polish onto those and I lay a crystal down on them, usually probably, uh, you know, quartz, clear quartz, and I'm on. That's it. So that's what I do. Simple and effective because you do need to make sure you let that energy go. Yeah. You do not want to carry the reading home with you. No, definitely not. And I also close the portal. Sorry, that's another big important thing. Um, I wasn't aware, I think, in the beginning of, portal, of the portal, but I was doing something that was similar anyways to closing that. But I make the actual thing where I verbally say that I now close the portal. Like, once I've returned that energy and I've called back mine, then I close the portal. That way, it's not leaking energy over and over again. Um, and so that's what I do. Again, simple but effective. You know, our words have power. And putting those words out there, we are really, again, working with the energy and telling the energy how we want to work, how we want it to work with us. So yep. that's really good advice. Well, this has been such a great conversation, Brittany. Uh, if people want to work with you, if they want to get a reading, where can they find you? Where are you? Absolutely. So you can find me at my website, um, Nefertiti Rising Apothecary. Um, that's www.nefertitirisingapothecary.com. You can also find me on Instagram, Nefertiti Rising Apothecary. Um, and then actually you can also find me on Twitter, uh, but that one is under Nefertiti Rising. Didn't fit apothecary, so just Nefertiti Rising. <laughs> um, and then of course I do have a Facebook. My Facebook is actually Terror Readings by Brittany Kennedy. So that's where you can find me. You are all over the place, so you will be very easy for people to find. So thank you so much for 
sharing your wisdom and making time to talk about this topic. I so appreciate you, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a lovely, lovely conversation. I really enjoyed it. I loved being able to get your perceptions and I'm going to, I've got to get your books. I, I definitely have to do that. But um, I just really, I love that you have more experience and your energy is just so pleasant and just so wise. And it's funny when you're talking about the, the cat deck, I literally, I'm never going to be able to look at this deck and not see your face because <laughs> <laughs> Those match so perfectly, it's not even funny. So I can imagine that's probably one of your favorites. Oh my God, that deck, the first time I saw it, I went nuts. So yes, absolutely. Uh, and I also feel like I'm kind of part cat anyway. So it is the perfect and deck that for me. that makes sense. Why it makes so much sense, honestly. <laughs> All right. Well, Brittany, thank you so much. And people, uh, if you're listening, make sure you get into Brittany's world. Check out what she's up to. Follow her on all the social media uh, and get to know her Egyptian tarot deck, which, by the way, I'm very intrigued with that. All right, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And as a reminder, you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, lots of books, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and so many other good things for you to scope out and enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And by the way, if you are enjoying the podcast, you know what to do. You're going to do me a solid. Get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more people who are tarot curious find their way to tarot bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. Let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending. Mm -hmm.